hand up as we pray for him and for our own hearts and minds this morning. Father, we want to thank you for Jesus in me, the hope of glory, and that the very spirit of Christ could dwell in us. We thank you for this container here, this son of yours, this servant. Thank you for Paul. Would you fill him with what he was recreated, made new to contain your presence, that you would speak and flow through him. And Lord, we open up our hearts and minds wide to you and ask you to fill us and to guide us, to change us, and to renew us further into your image. We pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Good to be with you all. Thank you, Justin. Uh, thank you, Jonathan. Love that worship, the way you led us. So yesterday we talked about the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all working together in creation, so first creating angels, and then the physical realm, ultimately humankind. And then after the fall of Adam and Eve, our triune God together brought about redemption and salvation. And of course, through Christ dying on the cross, taking our sin, being raised, and all of this leading up to the significant event of Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit, where Jesus described it as, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So Jesus said this just before he left. And he continued, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And then the Holy Spirit came down. And Acts chapter 2 describes it like this. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared over them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So with this Pentecost, the stage was set for something amazing and miraculous to be able to take place. And that is a new birth, a new life, a new creation of the Holy Spirit in us. The Holy Spirit dwelling within God within us. What we were saying yesterday is that Almighty God above us is amazing and incredible. God beside us is awesome. But what God wanted more than anything else was to take it one step further, and that is to be inside of us. And that actually is the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that God is within. God has come to dwell within no longer dwelling in temple buildings, but instead in human hearts. And in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about this. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Jesus had talked about this earlier. So in the Gospel of John, where Jesus said, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And then there's the explanation where John says, Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. At Pentecost, and then us today. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water, Jesus says. 
when we believe in him. So when we proclaim Christ as Lord and believe in our heart that he was raised from the dead, the Holy Spirit comes inside and does a miraculous work of conceiving a new birth. We are born again like Jesus describes in John 3. And this wellspring of the spirit of life starts flowing from the inside out. When the Holy Spirit takes residence permanently inside of us like this, the purpose is for the Holy Spirit to take over, to take control of us, to lead and guide us, and then for us to surrender and to receive and to simply follow. So as Ephesians says, we are to be filled with the Spirit, and the idea there is to keep on being filled with the Spirit. We are to walk by the Spirit. We're to keep in step with the Spirit, as Paul says in Galatians. In other words, in all of this, stay in alignment with the Holy Spirit. Okay, now there's an analogy that I like using to describe this work with the Spirit. Okay, so you're going to have to bear with me. I'm known for doing a lot of analogies, so here's one for you. So the analogy of life with the Spirit is like water skiing, where the boat, the power boat, is the Holy Spirit. We are the skier. We do our part in getting in the water, putting the skis on, aligning with the boat, holding on to the line, looking at the boat driver and waiting for that signal and saying, yes, we're ready. But notice in this that the power boat, the Holy Spirit, is doing all of the power. But notice what we have to do. We have to be in alignment. So a lot of times the skier might be sitting on the beach or in the water but not with the skis on. Or maybe with the skis on but turning aside. Maybe not holding the line. Maybe holding the line but not looking at the driver ready to go. But in this analogy, notice that the skier has to be in full alignment with the Holy Spirit. Ready to go. But then what happens with that alignment? First thing is power is activated. When there's full alignment and everything is in place, the boat starts going and there's the power. And then the skier comes up on, on the water, but with the power of the boat. But there's this power that gets activated in Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come down upon you. That's what Jesus said. This is power that's coming. We have the same spirit inside of us that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And this is what God says. It is not by might not by human power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. God's intention is for our lives to have power and to have far more power than most of us are experiencing these days. So this is where we need to be honest with ourselves, including me being honest with myself. myself. How are we doing these days with receiving this power of the Holy Spirit? Because a lot of times, especially those of us who grew up in a Christian home or went to Christian school. We've learned all this stuff. We have the beliefs. We can be just simply going through the motions day after day, role-playing the Christian life, saying the Christianese. Paul would describe this 
as he does in one of his books, of having a form of godliness but denying the power. And too often, we're not living in the power of the Spirit because we're actually pushing the Holy Spirit aside. We're actually ignoring the Spirit of the living God as we go about our lives and quenching the Spirit. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, Do not quench the Spirit. Sometimes we misuse the temple of the Spirit, which is our body, and we can use the Holy Spirit's temple for our own fleshly desires. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. God commands us, through Paul, to put to death the misdeeds of the body. But too often, we're letting our body, the temple of the Holy Spirit, be given over to fleshly things. And especially things like lust, which I believe is probably the number one thing that we can give our body over to is lust. And in that, we can grieve the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 4, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander be away from you, along with all malice. It's interesting that in addition to, to lust, this whole area of bitterness, that's the first one on the list, wrath, anger, clamor, this divisiveness, I believe that unforgiveness also pushes the Holy Spirit aside probably more than most anything else. So I believe that lust and unforgiveness are the two. If you look at the, the Bible, God has so much to say about forgiveness and unforgiveness. But when we push the Spirit aside in these kinds of ways, so lust, unforgiveness, but so much more, just fleshly things, we actually end up needing to and trying to live life under our own power. And we end up striving and performing because we don't have the power of the Holy Spirit. So we somehow try to generate the own, our own power. But our human effort and our human works cannot accomplish the works of God and the work of the kingdom. Paul says to Galatians, Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? So you can start with the Spirit and then drift off and actually try to do life in the flesh. But flesh cannot give birth to spirit, according to the scriptures. But if we let the Holy Spirit of the living God actually lead and take charge of our lives, the power of the Spirit will be activated. So may we be ones who experience this power. May I be one. May you be ones where we are in alignment and experiencing this power because the Holy Spirit is ready. Every day we wake up in the morning and the Holy Spirit is ready to give power. Now what is this power for? For many things and actually for everything. But starting with what's very important to the Holy Spirit. And it's not what we would expect, but it's really important to the Holy Spirit, and that is holiness. Holiness is the first thing in the day 
because without holiness, no one can see God. It is a God-given holiness that comes from the righteousness of Christ that can only come from the living God. We cannot produce it on our own because our righteousness is like filthy rags. And this holiness is what produces the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now notice that in this list, notice the first one. The first one is love. God's agape love, it makes sense because God is love. And as Paul says, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. As we know, God so loved the world that he gave his son. One of my favorite passages is Romans 5, 5, where it says, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. I love that. Because there's a love of God through the Holy Spirit being placed inside of our heart. And then what happens, God's love is always in motion. So what happens is when God pours his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, as the scripture says, it's going to overflow. It always will. It's going to go somewhere. First place it goes is overflows back to God. As the scripture says, we love him because he first loved us. It's in that order. God is love. He pours his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. It overflows back to God and we love him back. And then it keeps overflowing to others, to one another here, to fellow believers, and then outward from there to all of humanity. There's a power of holy, godly love that, that is in motion here, that God has in mind. And we need this powerful, godly love to overcome sin. We need this power of love to break strongholds and bondages, to have freedom. 2 Corinthians 3. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The Holy Spirit longs to give us freedom. Christ wants our freedom. There's another scripture that I love that says, if the Son sets you free, as in Jesus, you will be free indeed. Satan, our flesh, and the world, they're all about bondage, control, entanglements. So how are we doing with this? Are you feeling free today? I'm asking myself, even in preparing this, am I free today? Or are we in bondage, entangled by so many things, by fear and anxiety and lust and despair and anger, and the list can go on when the bondage comes in. But just know that, be encouraged, and know that the Holy Spirit in you, in me, within, is ready to give the power and the love to break free to break free from these things. We know from the scripture that perfect love casts out fear. So when we let the love of God flow through us and we receive God's love and the power of his love, we can be set free from fear, which is the root, really, of a lot of things that we struggle with, isn't it? And anxiety and worry. Now the Holy Spirit's power is also given for another reason. 
And that is for the outward ministry that starts happening. So when we receive God's power and receive his love, we throw off the things that entangle, and we live a life of holiness and righteousness in Christ, and we're in alignment. Things start happening around us. So there's an outward ministry to others, an expansion of God's kingdom, salvation of souls. That's what the Holy Spirit has in mind as he's inside of us here. And all of this through supernatural gifts that are empowered by the Holy Spirit. So we see this in 1 Corinthians 12, where Paul talks about the gifts, these supernatural gifts. There are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. Varieties of service, but the same Lord. Varieties of activities. And then this is interesting, where the power shows up. But it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. So there's that power of the gifts of the Spirit. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. One is given in the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. Then there's knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, working of miracles, prophecy, the ability to distinguish between spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one in the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. The Holy Spirit longs to give these gifts to us for ministry, for breakthrough, for expansion of the kingdom of God. And with this power and the supernatural gifts, the gates of hell will not prevail against the kingdom of God. And it is through the supernatural gifts that hell is defeated. We cannot do this on our own. But through the power of the Spirit, going against hell, the gates of hell will not prevail and hell and Satan and death is defeated. Sometimes the supernatural gifts, when they're given, are more visible, more awesome. So if we had time, we could talk about stories of miracles and visions and prophecies and very legitimate works of the Holy Spirit today around the world that we see God working with his gifts doing incredible, amazing, supernatural things that put us in awe of God. But it's important to also know that supernatural gifts show up in the day-to-day, -day ordinary happenings of life, and even in the mundane, empowering us to do the daily faithfulness to God in the small and simple things. So God is about the big and the awesome, and then he's about the small and the simple. The daily, moment-by-moment -moment faithfulness of being empowered supernaturally to do the work that even a lot of times other people would never see, but God sees. So we've talked about how imperative it is to keep in step with the Spirit like this, to stay in alignment with the Spirit on a daily basis. So how exactly do we do this? Now, Nina, tomorrow, is going to continue this conversation and talk through some of this of how do we walk with the Spirit. So for today, I want to hit on a few things. Starting with what you would expect, but it's so true, and that is prayer and Scripture. Ongoing, moment-by-moment -moment connection with God through prayer and Scripture reading. Praying without ceasing, as Paul talks about, and reading the Bible a lot. So the one thing that I've come to in my journey with God over the years 
is a realization how imperative it is to be in the Word of God a lot. In the morning right away, off and on throughout the day, at night before I go to bed, connecting to God through Scripture, and then also through prayer, a lot throughout the day through prayer. The Holy Spirit helps us with this. The Spirit is the one who draws us to the Word of God constantly. So that nudge inside, get close to the Word, get into the Word, open the Bible, put our eyes on the Scripture, really any Scripture. The Holy Spirit is the one that is compelling us to do that. And the Holy Spirit is the one who's prompting us to pray, to ask for help. And in fact, the Spirit even does some of the praying. So we see this in Galatians 4. God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So the Holy Spirit inside of us is the one that is actually talking back to God the Father, saying, Abba, Father, in other words, Daddy. You're no longer a slave, but a son or a daughter. And if a son or daughter, then an heir through God. So the Holy Spirit is the one who is continuously proclaiming to God the Father that we belong to Him through adoption. And continually reminding our hearts and our souls that we are a child of God. And the Holy Spirit is praying for us about a lot of the stuff of life. So, especially the very difficult things. Representing us to Christ, our high priest, our older brother, and then to the Father. We see this in Romans 8. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he, search, he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Boy, I have felt that, and I have needed the Holy Spirit praying for me, and so many times in life, times of going through hellish depression for two whole years early on in my life, times, for example, where my mother passed suddenly at a young age from a virus. And so I really resonate. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. We need the Holy Spirit inside, praying like that. And then as we pray, the Holy Spirit guides us on how to pray, how to talk to God. And the Holy Spirit keeps our prayers in alignment with God's plans and will. And then as we read the scripture, the Holy Spirit within testifies that the words are true and says along the way, yeah, I wrote that. Because all scripture is God-breathed. And the Holy Spirit wrote and inspired the scripture. And the Holy Spirit, as we read the word of God, the written word, the Holy Spirit resonates and says, yes, that is true. And as God talks to us through the Holy Spirit, through the scripture as we're reading, through prayer, we receive God's wisdom and truth. And we then know the way to go in life. We need God's wisdom. We need truth in our lives. We need the Holy Spirit to speak truth and the scripture to guide us. Because as the scripture says, there's a way that seems right to a person, but in the end it leads to destruction. When we're on our own without the power of the Spirit and the guidance of the Spirit, we will go astray. We all like sheep go astray all the time. We need the Holy Spirit within coaching us and teaching us on how to do life. And we need this wisdom that comes only from God. As 1 Corinthians 2 says, 
For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. We have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom. Boy, there's a, a lot of human wisdom around. But taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Jesus says in John 16, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. And we need the truth in this world. We need God's wisdom in this world. I need God's wisdom in my life because if I don't have that, I will go astray. So the Holy Spirit guides us in this wisdom and truth in all of life. Big decisions, direction in life, marriage, children, ministry, career, continued education, big stuff but also moment-by-moment moment insights and promptings about even small things. The Holy Spirit saying, go here, go there, even things with shopping, when to go to bed, what food to eat. Even I remember in South Africa once where I was super tired one day and we were gearing up for another round of ministry and I was so tired and I could not figure it out. And I went outside and I asked God, what is going on? And the Holy Spirit said, you haven't had enough water. And it was clear as that. And I realized, that's right. I was in an area of South Africa in the village where the water was not very clean. And I hadn't had water for a while. So I went in, drank a ton of water that was clean. And my energy came back. But I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is interested in those kinds of things. Because there is no separation between sacred and secular. It's not like God is interested in only the big stuff. And then we're on our own for the little things in everyday life. God comes and does it all. His kingdom life and our earthly life are intertwined, and God has interest in every little thing. So tomorrow, come back, because Nina is going to continue this conversation about life in the Spirit and how the Spirit leads. But let me leave you with part of a scripture from Romans 8. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus. We walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For those who set their mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So let me pray for us as we close. So Lord, we love this truth that you, almighty God, came so close and even all the way inside of us to where we are your temples. And help us to continue to understand what this means and how do you want us to live. So continue to prompt us even today, Lord. Through your Holy Spirit, give us insight as to are we in alignment? Are we receiving your power fully? Are there things you want to deal with? So please have your way. Come and be Lord of our lives and be Lord of Northwestern. I pray your blessing over my friends here, brothers and sisters in Christ, our students. Give them all that they need for today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all. Have a good day. <laughs>